the Humanity Church podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Jesus, thank you for uh, already being here and present with us. I ask that you would speak to us in just a powerful way, that you would teach us your ways of love, you would teach us your ways of relating to one another, that we would walk away from here changed and challenged and inspired to live as you would have us live. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we are in this conversation called Love Thy, and right in the middle of it now. And last week we talked about loving our enemies, and I asked you to consider that your enemies aren't just horrible, terrible, no good, very bad people with horrible intentions, but they're people who have actually simply forgotten who they are. They're people who have lost the idea that they are image bearers of God and that they have lost sight of holding on to them and that we are called to be those who do not seek revenge and who do not repay evil for evil, but we are those who are called to remind our enemies of who they are and remind them of who they're called to be in the world around us. And we do that through this radical decision to love, even in the middle of the chaos that they're creating around us. And that we are called to not just take a neutral stance, but we are called to feed them when they're hungry and to give them water when they're thirsty and to not seek revenge, which is probably the hardest part of the whole thing, right? And we talked about how God says, like, give me room for my revenge in those moments. And we like that part. And then we talked about how when God gets revenge, it's rarely like a thunderbolt or a smiting of some sort, shape, or form. It is usually kindness. And it's usually transforming hearts because that's what he does with us when he comes to us when we're being knuckleheaded in life. And he doesn't punish us, but he lovingly reminds us who we are and what we're about and what we're called to do in the middle of us. And the beautiful thing about that, in that way, our enemies actually become our allies in that moment as God transformed them. Now, as strange as this may sound, I actually don't think our enemies are the hardest people to love in life. That may sound really odd. Like, who else could be this unlovable in life besides the people that I hate the most, right? See, because here's the thing. We at least know that we're supposed to love our enemies. Like, even if you haven't been around faith that much, you're kind of like, okay, I get the idea. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. That, at least that sounds good. And, and the other thing is, like, we as human beings generally don't like the feeling of burning anger within us. And so we will do anything to alleviate that experience, even if it means, like, releasing, forgiving, letting go. The unfulfilled revenge that's in us, we seek to alleviate that in some way, shape, or form. And so there's there's at least some inertia to work with when it comes with our enemies to redirect it in, in some way, shape, or form. And while we may not do it well, we at least tend to bend in that direction of releasing in that. But I actually find a group that is harder to love than even our enemies. And those are the people that we've simply deemed unlovable, aka annoying, aka different, weird, odd, not our preference, 
not anyone's preference. You know those people, right? Don't act like you don't know those people. You're all quiet out there like, that's not me. I don't have anyone that's annoying in my life. But you know those people that, that when we're at a gathering, we see them and we're not like, I hate them, but you're kind of like, yeah, we're going to avoid them, right? You're at a party and you're like, hey, how's it going? I hope we don't ever have to talk the rest of the evening. And we have all kinds of judgments about the person over there. You deem them whatever it may be. You deem them too needy, too much, overly talkative, arrogant, strange. Not a sin. These aren't sins necessarily, right? These are just those things that when people demonstrate these characteristics, you're like, eh, really? Is that how you want to live your life over there? And you just prefer not to be around people like this. And so I'm going I'm to call these people the unlovables in our life. These aren't enemies. They're not people who are necessarily in sin in some way, shape, or form. They're just the people that were like, eh, I don't really prefer them. I don't really like being around these type of people. In fact, what I'd like for you to do right now is I'd like for you to turn to like two or three people that are around you. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Do not say any names, all right? We're not getting into gossip this morning. <laughs> but what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to think about the characteristics in people that when you're around people like this, is you're just like, mm. you know what I'm talking about? The things that you deem annoying, the things that you're like, when I'm around these type of people, I want to run the other way. It could be like, hey, they're, they're needy, they're talkative, they're too confident, they're cocky, they're, they're shy, they're whatever it may be. They talk too much about themselves, they talk too much about other people, they're, they're insecure. Whatever it may be, we all have these things. Now, I'm going to ask you to consider that if you're like, I can't think of a single thing that bothers me around other people, that you're just way out of touch with your humanity, right? <laughs> Like, that you're just way out of touch. And so this is going to be a great exercise in just getting back in touch with your humanity, all right? <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to lay aside all the false humility, all the like, look at me, I do not judge another human being, I'm Mother Teresa. Just lay that aside for a second. And just think about, look, even if you can just get one out of your mouth, I promise you it will be freeing, all right? So find two, three other people around you and just talk about what are some of the things that you, uh, that just annoy you about other people or that when you're around people like this, you're just like, eh, all right, go for that. Just do it. Two minutes, go for it. All right, let's come back together. Someone shout out some characteristics that you're like, when I'm around people like this, I just want to go the other way for a minute. Shout out some characteristics. Overly what? Overly religious. What else? Negative. Brown nosers. Victims. Arrogant. Wow, you guys, this is good. This is like, uh, yeah. Attention starved. Yeah, we got a lot in this room, all right? Needy. What's that? One-uppers. Yes, always the one-upper story. Yeah, absolutely. All kinds of, all kinds of characteristics that weren't, look, these aren't sins. They're just like, I don't prefer when I'm around people like this in some way, shape, or form, all right? Here's the thing. I want you to hold on to those characteristics in your mind while we're going through this conversation. And I also would like for you to, um, do not say a name, but I'd like for you to come up with a name of someone in your life. You already know, all right? Again, don't act like there's no one in my life. Just think of that person that you're like, look, you know, I, 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 when I'm around them, I, I, I just prefer to not be near them, all right? So think of those people as we go move forward in this conversation, because there's actually a specific word that the scriptures use to describe these characteristics that we deem as annoying, as odd, as not preferable in some way, shape, or form. And it's found in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and this is what Jesus says to us about this. He says, do not judge. Or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while the whole time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, it's our judgments that oftentimes get in the way of us loving that person over there that we have deemed unlovable in some way, shape, or form. Now again, some of you may say, I'm not judgmental and we avoid even that conversation or idea like the plague. I'm just gonna ask you to consider this morning that to be human is to have these judgments. Like you can't get away from this. That, that, again, if you're out of touch with this, you're just out of touch with your humanity, that the reason why Jesus even has to bring this up, because he's not saying, if you judge, he's saying, do not judge, because you're already doing it, right? He, so, so Jesus isn't even, like, scolding you. He's just saying, like, hey, please recognize this, so that when you're doing this, you can stop it in some way, shape, or form. And they are to fill in the blank. They need to. They should. All of those things. In fact, our judgments often sounds like they should do this or they shouldn't do this, right? They shouldn't be this needy. They shouldn't be this annoying. They shouldn't be this one-upping. They shouldn't be this brown-nosing. They should be more confident. They should speak up more. They should give other people a little more room, whatever it may be. And so we find ourselves in this conversation around what others should be or shouldn't be in there, and it turns into the space of judgment, and it's usually connected to our preference around how we want other people to show up in life with us and for us. And here's why I think that it's so much harder to love these people, even harder than our neighbor. Obviously, loving our neighbor is quite easy. It's just getting over the fear around actually starting the conversation. It's easier than loving our neighbor because it requires intention to work on our neighbor. And so we're like focused on it and we're saying, all right, I'm gonna give some energy and attention to really focusing on loving my neighbor. But loving the unlovable... I think that it's the hardest because when we find ourselves there, it breeds something inside the human spirit that is poisonous and it's invasive and it's really, really hard to get rid of. And that's called apathy. Then when we're around them, we don't want to attack them and we're not necessarily drawn to love. We're just like, eh. And it's the apathy that is so hard Because what do you actually do with apathy? There's no movement, there's no inertia, there's nothing to work with when you find yourself over there. So we can ignore them and say, well, I don't hate them, right? I don't hate that person. In fact, they're they're really nice, right? They're nice people and we're cordial. And the problem is, is that cordial gets in the way of our willingness to love those people, and to enter into a space where we say, yeah, I'm willing to actually sacrifice for this person over here and give myself. Meanwhile, we avoid, we neglect, we distance ourselves from those people, and these could be people in your family, these could be people at work, these could be people in your humanity group, these are just the people that you've just decided, I don't really want to spend that much energy on you over there, because you're too fill in the blank, or you're not enough fill in the blank. And look, Like I said, we all have these preferences. We all have these judgments at times. That is human. It's our choice what we do with them. Whether we live in them and actually live in judgment, or if we notice them and release them so that we can get past them to step into love. See, because there's actually a couple of things that happen to us while we are living in judgment 
that is actually quite painful and detrimental to your spiritual journey. Remember, we're talking about the why behind loving. And so here's why it's so critical for us to recognize these judgments and release them over there. Because in this conversation around love thy, we've been talking about how every single human being is an image bearer of God himself. That they hold within them a slice of the DNA of God. And when we interact with them, we're interacting with that piece of God over there in some way, shape, or form. In many ways, this is why God needed seven billion unique human beings on the planet. That he didn't just make a prototype and turn us all the same way, but that he created each of us unique with different personalities and different looks and different interests and different desires and different passions because he needed seven billion people to represent all the diverse aspects of who God is. That every single one of you are created uniquely to demonstrate that unique characteristic of God that he placed inside of you to give to the world. And God makes himself known through people. So when we decide to look at another human being and decide that they aren't worth loving because of my preferences over there, what we're also saying is that the image of God inside of them is not worth knowing. That that aspect of who God is that resides over there in that person I don't really prefer that part of God. I don't really like that part of God. I don't really want to know that part of God. In fact, that aspect over God, over there of God is annoying in some way, shape, or form. And so we're actually not just saying, I don't want to know you. We're actually saying, God, I do not want to know this part of you. I do not want to get engaged with this person over there. God, I would actually prefer that you would be different to suit my preferences over here in some way, shape, or form. So now... Not only am I in judgment of that person, but I'm in judgment of God. And I miss out on the experience of this new characteristic of God in my life that I get to engage every single day. I mean, how many of you would say at some level in your spiritual journey that knowing the fullness of God would be important to you? Like, hey, I would love to know the, like, the fullness, the breadth, the depth, the width of who God is in some way, shape, or form. If that's something that you're like, hey, I'm up for that, then releasing these judgments, these preferences, is actually a critical step in saying, hey, you over there, you image bearer that has the gift of bearing this image of God that I deem as unlovable, I get to release this so I get to experience the Christ that lives in you, the God that lives in you over there to experience who God is in that space. So releasing these judgments doesn't just only release you to love that person, it releases you to know the fullness of God through that other person over there. See, at the end of the day, when we deem someone unlovable, what we're saying is that God and others should be the way that I prefer them to be. That God, you, I, don't under, I don't think you understand. This is not the preferable God that I want, right? <laughs> if, if you could only be a little less needy, if you could only be a little less usurping, if you could be only a little less unconfident over there, that would be nice, right? I mean, how many of us at the end of the day, we want our spirituality like Burger King, your way right away, right? It's like if God and others could just get with the program over here, they would understand how good life could be in some way, shape, or form. And then we're frustrated when God and others don't show up that way. And then when they don't deserve my love over there, what we're actually saying is, God, you don't actually deserve my love over there in some way, shape, or form. 
And then the scriptures say that the measure that you judge will be the measure that you are judged with. Now, here's the thing. I don't think this is some weird spiritual principle where God is like pressing down his judgment on you. Like if he's like, if you're 60% judgmental, I'm gonna be 60% more judgmental with you, right? So I don't think that's what, that's what Jesus is informing us of here. It's not like some weird principle that exists in the ether out there that when we judge others, God ratches it up, ratches up the judgment scale on our own life. Here's the thing. I just think that when we look out at the world with critical lenses, when we look out at the world through the lens of our preferences and say, only people who live within this box of my preferences get to be in my life in some way, shape, or form, we automatically see ourselves through the exact same critical lens. That when you look out at the world and you are looking at how can I criticize all the people around me for what they aren't and what they should be and what they shouldn't be over there? Guess what? When you look down at yourself, you are looking at yourself through exact, the exact same lens. And so we are actually the ones that heap judgment on ourselves in that same way. I talk to people all the time when I'm coaching them and they say, you know, I'm really hard on myself. I'm so hard on myself. I have all these impossible standards and, and I talk to myself poorly and I'm down on myself. And then I'll ask them this inevitable question. Do you imagine you treat others the same way? Oh, no, 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 no. I have so much grace for other people. I just give, give, give. And, and I, I never, ever take in the middle of that but see, here's the same thing that's in reverse over there, is that when you are in judgment of others, you are naturally in judgment of yourself as well. Because it's the same lens through which you see the world over there. And because there is a clear way that everyone around you is supposed to be, that you're supposed to be like this, and you're supposed to be like this, and you're not supposed to do that, and that's not the characteristic that you're supposed to have over there. When we look down at ourselves and we see all of the characteristics that we're not supposed to be and all the things that we should be, we double down on the judgment with ourselves. And so if you'd actually like to relieve yourself from some of the self-judgment that you live in, it's our responsibility to release those judgments back to God and say, hey, I would love for you to take these from me. Not only so that I can love my neighbor over there, but that I'm not doubling down on my own self-judgment over here in some way, shape, or form. So the more you live in judgment, the more judgment you heap upon yourself. And then there's this whole bit about specks and planks in eye, which I don't know how people get wood in their eye, but a lot of people apparently do, right? <laughs> but Jesus is using this metaphor, sounds incredibly painful in here. And Jesus tells us, look, before you decide that you're going to go take that splinter out of your neighbor's eye over there, before you decide that you're going to go over there and change that person, because how many of you have done that? You deem something annoying in someone that you are stuck with in life, like a spouse or like a friend or like someone you're in a humanity group with, and you just think to yourself, if I could just change them, this would work, Right? I mean, we do that to our spouse often, don't we? <laughs> if, if I could just transform this aspect over there, if I, could just, if I could just mold you into my preference, then we would get along and there would be love that would flow and everything that would work in that moment. But Jesus says, hey, before you go about taking out the speck in their eyes, why don't you take a look at the two by four that's stuck in your own eye? That's right. 
Why don't you address that before you go over there and deal with whatever little judgment you have about that person over there in some place? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you to consider something that may be highly offensive this morning, all right? It's Sunday morning, we're starting off the week. Let's start it with a great offense, all right? That those characteristics that you came up with, those characteristics that you wrote down, that you developed, that you shared with your neighbor in some way, shape, or form that you put on your list that annoys you about others, I'm gonna ask you to consider that it is the exact characteristic that you judge most about yourself. That it is the thing in you that you detest. That you're like, I don't want to see this. I don't want it to show up when it does show up. And here's the thing. It usually is either a characteristic about you that you just don't want to see because you've deemed it bad, wrong, broken, or it's a characteristic of someone in your life that you have yet to exercise forgiveness with. And so when you look out at that person and they remind you of your mom and you're like, you are just like my dad. You are just like that bully. You are just like that ex. You are just like fill in the blank. That every time it shows up, we don't see them. We actually see the person that we are bitter towards. And so we actually don't get to be in relationship with them. We're in relationship with our bitterness towards someone in our past. And we don't actually get to be with that person over there. In my work, we call this, you spot it, you got it. <laughs> if it's the thing that irks you, if it's the thing that you're like, oh, I'm running the other way, it is the very thing inside of you that you're either like, I don't want to see this about me because it is bad, wrong, or broken, or this is the characteristic that someone in my life has demonstrated and I do not want to be like them and I am in judgment over here in some way, shape, or form. This is the plank that we have in our own eye. And it keeps us from seeing what's going on. In my life, the people that I avoid the most are needy people. I know that sounds weird coming from a pastor. <laughs> but I can feel it. I can feel it like it's like a radar. When people are coming at me like a leech, I am like, you do not get my blood, right? And then when I push back, they can become like super leeches. And they're like, I need your time. I need your counsel. I need your energy. I need your love. I'm like, ah, get away, get away, get away, right? And I found myself in a lot of judgment towards needy people. No, none of you are in that category. But I found myself, whenever someone was in that space, especially like we were at a party or something, someone, can, we, can we talk? I'm like, oh, here we go, right? Can we just listen to the music and eat pizza and watch the movie, right? But I, I, one day I just thought, okay, Nathan, let's just let's examine this, right? Why, why is it that needy people are, are just the thing that irks you? And what I realized is that I don't actually like seeing when I have needs at times. I don't like it when I have real needs that require me to humble myself and to go to someone else and say, hey, I am in need and I cannot do this on my own. Would you help me over there to get through whatever I need because I am incapable of my own and I noticed that I was judging my own need for other people. And so I was unwilling to see it in myself and when people came to me with their needs, all of a sudden I was like, ew, right? <laughs> you mean you have a need? Gross, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I just didn't want to see it myself. 
I didn't want to engage it. I didn't want to touch it. And the second that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm human too. And I actually have needs. And I actually need other people in my life to engage life to its fullest. I was able to pause and go, oh yes, this is what being human means. And then there was so much more empathy for other people when they had needs too, (laughs) when their needs show up. And it didn't become the plague, it became an invitation into relationship. Now here's the thing, that still pops up all the time. That's still, when, when someone comes at me, my knee-jerk reaction is like, mm, push it away. Don't let them get your blood. If the leech gets on you, you're going to have to burn them off, right? But the second I'm able to go, Nathan, hold on, hold on. You have needs too. And you are going to call up your friends and the people who counsel you and your mentors and your coaches, and you are going to have the same needs. So why don't you be with this person that you would want your other people to be with you in that moment? So here's what I'd like for you to do, if you're willing to this morning. I'd like for you to get back with those people you were with. And I'd like for you just to explore for, let's say, five minutes, how those characteristics that you said show up in your own life. Maybe just notice, oh yeah, here's the way that I am needy. Here's the way that I'm overbearing. Here's the way that I'm a brown noser. Here's the way that I'm a one-upper. Here's the way that I am fill in the blank. And if that doesn't feel very true for you, maybe, you're, maybe you could ask the conversation, who in your life did that, that you're still resisting forgiving? That you're just like, oh, that was my mom, or that was my sister, or that was my best friend, or that was my ex. And so every time I'm with people like that, that resentment rears up, all right? Now, you can go as deep or as shallow as you want. You don't even have to speak this morning, but go ahead and get back with your people and just share. How does this show up in your own life? And maybe if there's someone in your life who you get the opportunity to forgive every time this shows up. All right, take a few minutes and have a conversation with one another and we'll come right back. All right, let's come back together. How many of you feel a little more humbled in the conversation after that? All right, good. (laughs) And this isn't again to heap more judgment on yourself. Notice if now you're like more self-judgment, now I'm a horrible person and they all suck too. That's not what this is for. This is just to notice how this becomes a cycle that we find ourselves in, that the measure we judge others is the measure that we have judgment back on ourselves in the middle of that. Now, now here's the other part of this conversation around judgment. Have you ever um, seen people with those t-shirts and sometimes unfortunately those tattoos that say, only God can judge me? Ever seen that before? Some of you may own one of those t-shirts. Some of you may own one of those tattoos. It's gonna be a very bad moment for you right now. Um, Because every time I see one of those t-shirts or one of those tattoos, I just wanna go up to them and say, too late, right? (laughs) In fact, I'm judging you right now. What are you gonna do about it, right? I'm judging your shirt and I'm judging your tattoo. What up, right? Because that, that's just like a silly idea, only God can judge me, right? Like, like, here's the thing, judgment is a natural part of being human, like I said before. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16, this is what Paul says to us about judgment. It says, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. Huh? Wait, what happened to the do not judge, right? Do you ever read the Bible and you're like, which one is it, right? Like, like am I not supposed to judge or am I a person with the spirit who judges all things? Which one do you want from me, God? I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, this is extremely confusing. It seems like you're saying two very different things in the conversation here. Now, there's a lot of conversation these days around we are not supposed to judge. 
And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how, how that engage? And, and the scriptures are, are actually full of passages calling those of us who call ourselves Christians to judge, which is odd, right? You would think that would not be the case if Jesus was like, do not judge. And then there's all these other passages like this one that says the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. Very confusing. And then Paul continues. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we have the mind of Christ. See, if you are a follower of Jesus you are actually called to live a life of judgment. Now, do not go away. If you're online, do not click out of here because you need to know the next part of this because there's a very particular kind of judgment that we are called into because the judgment that the scriptures call us into for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for those of us who have Christ dwelling within us, where his spirit actually lives and moves and breathes in us and informs our lives in some way, shape, or form, actually has very little to do with your preferences. In fact, your preferences will cloud your ability to actually engage with the judgment that God has given you for the world around you. See, when you, when you look at Jesus, he would make judgments all the time about people. I mean, there were times where he would be with his followers, he would be with Peter, and he'd be like, get behind me, Satan, judgment, right? He would be with a woman at the well, and he would give her all these beautiful instructions, and then he would say, you've been with five men, right? Judgment, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm judging this in some way, shape, or form. He would be with people, and they're like, oh, you're demon-possessed, judgment. Oh, you over there, you're struggling, judgment. So he lived in a space of judgment, except his judgments moved him towards compassion and empathy and action. When he looked out at the world, he was able to judge what was taking place at a spiritual level, and based on that judgment, or in other terms, discernment, was able to say, oh, man, that person's suffering and so now I release my empathy, I release my compassion, and I take action for that person over there. See, I think sometimes when we talk about being non-judgmental in our culture, we take this like live and let live approach, right? Like, hey, do whatever you want, who am I to judge? Now that is a horrible way to interact with the people that you love. If you actually love people saying, do whatever you want, who am I to judge, actually will guarantee the destruction of the people that you love around you in some way, shape, or form in the middle of this. See, when living in the, in the spiritual discernment of Christ, it looks like taking our judgment but saying, is this person about to run their life off a cliff? I need to jump in here. Is this person making decisions that is going to lead to a very unhealthy future over here? I need to judge this and step in with empathy and compassion and movement. If this, is this going to end up in complete breakdown and mess? It is actually my responsibility to judge what is taking place right here and to step in and to have some care for this other person to say, I love you enough to step into this. I am so moved to empathy, compassion, and action. I am so grateful for people in my life who judge my life in some way, shape, or form, not with their own human preferences, but with the mind of Christ, and step in, intervene, and say, hey, I love you enough 
to, to, to allow you to go down this path, at least without some type of conversation, at least without some attempt at intervention, at least without some attempt to get your attention before you run your life off a cliff. Now, after that, you're up, it's up to you, but I, I have to give you this judgment because I love you too much to step into that. I remember when I was first working in Los Angeles with our, our mother church, Mosaic, and I was on our creative team. That was my first role, working with our artists at, in Los Angeles specifically. And about two times a week, I got to drive into LA and show up to these meetings to talk about our creative teams. And every time I was there, none of the information applied to me. And I was, I was always frustrated every week. I was like, why did I just drive to LA in an hour of traffic and I sat in this two hour meeting and then I have an hour of traffic back and none of this applies to me whatsoever. And so I found myself getting a really bad attitude about this. In fact, I was really upset that I had to come every week and then I noticed that I was conveniently getting sick on the days that we had meetings. Or I would conveniently forget about it or I had a doctor's appointment that I scheduled that exact same time or I had a Zoom meeting that could not have gone any other moment but that moment and so, so sorry I couldn't go to that meeting. And I remember when uh, my mentor at the time and my leader, my boss at the time, David Arcos, he said, hey, Nathan, can we get breakfast? And I said, yeah, let's go get breakfast. This is great. I thought this is going to be the opportunity where he's going to say, all right, let's talk about all the things you want to talk about. And he sat me down and he said, hey, I noticed that you've been missing a lot of our meetings. And when you're in there, you're just kind of quiet in the corner and you're, you're not participating in any way, shape, or form. And I started unloading my complaints, right? I started unloading all of the like, well, none of this applies to me, and I feel like I drive all the way down here, and it doesn't really apply to our campus, and what's going on with me, and, and like, I just think it would be best served if I had my own meeting with you, and maybe I, you, know, you could just tell me what's going on, and I could give you some ideas, and we could bounce those things off so that I don't actually have to drive down here, be a part of this meeting, and do all that stuff. And I, I will never forget, he just looked at me, and he, he said, did it ever occur to you that I wanted you in those meetings to serve the other people who are in the meetings? And I was like, no, it did not. <laughs> that was not even on my radar. And he said, did it ever occur to you that I invite you to these meetings because I need your voice and I need your input and I need your character and your creativity to show up for what's happening everywhere else in our community? And I said, no, it didn't. And I, from that moment forward, I never missed a meeting. I was there on time, I was engaged, I was in. But I love in that moment that David cared enough about me to say, hey, I'm judging something in your character that is off, that is gonna be destructive, not only for you, but for the people that you love. And he took that judgment and he did not allow it to be a separation between he and I. He didn't allow it to become something where he was like, oh, there's Nathan sitting in the corner by himself. But he actually stepped into the mind of Christ in that moment, intervened and said, hey, I refuse to let you continue with this way of living, with this type of character, with this way of engaging with other people, at least without a conversation. And it helped me course correct. See, when we get off of our human judgments, as Paul says here, I can enter into this other realm of spiritual judgment where I'm actually engaging with the mind of Christ, which is always looking out for the other. It's always saying, hey, how can I support you in the life that you were designed to live over there? So how do I know the difference? How do I know when I'm in human judgment? And how do I know when I'm actually in spiritual judgment, engaging in the mind of Christ? See, here's the thing you have to ask. Is this, is this judgment that I find myself in moving me towards disconnection and apathy and frustration 
Or is this moving me towards empathy and compassion and action? Is this compelling me to love? Is this compelling me to speak? Is this compelling me to step in and say, hey, I have some judgments over here and I believe that they're spiritual and I love you enough to step in and have the conversation to move you in that space. See, when your judgment is not merely a human judgment, but when you step into the mind of Christ, you actually are connecting with the God of the universe who is orchestrating plans for humanity around you. And rather than having your little judgments about something and preferences about how people should or shouldn't be, you actually get to move towards love and transform hearts and character in participation with God. And this is the power of love. It moves you out of apathy and into empathy, and it will allow you to transform the world around you. See, love your neighbors, love your enemies, but also love those who you just deem unlovable, that are hard to love, that you would prefer not to love. And in this, not only will you experience new aspects of God that you have never experienced before, that when you look at that person over there that you deem unlovable or unworthy or too much or too little or they should or they shouldn't, what if we just ask the question, what is the characteristic of God over there that I'm missing, that I don't get to see on a regular basis, that this person is the gift that I've been needing to see this over there, that I've been resisting of God, or it's the opportunity that's calling me to forgive the people in my life who have shown up in ways that I would have never wanted and never preferred and did not like. And they are just another gift from God saying, forgive, set yourself free, no longer be held captive by this. And then we get to be released into this new way of living in spiritual judgment taking on the mind of Christ to support the people around us into the abundant life that they were designed to live in. See, this is the radical way of love that Jesus demonstrates. Because the fact of the matter is, is I would imagine that when Jesus looks at me, there's all kinds of characteristics that he's annoyed by. <laughs> I imagine when God looks at me, he's like, what a knucklehead sometimes. <laughs> And I would imagine the same is true for you. And yet he chooses to bypass all of his preferences and to sacrifice and love over and over and over again. This is the radical way of love that we are called to live in. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the way that you've loved us so unconditionally that your preferences and the things that you would like to happen and the things that should or shouldn't happen in our own lives, that you just bypass all of those and just say, I love you, I love you. I thank you. It is so beautiful to be recipients of that type of love, to be recipients of an unending love that is disconnected from any but in that. May we be those who look out at the world through your lens, God, even this week, as we move forward, God, I ask that you would bring to mind those people that we've written off, that we've deemed unlovable, those people in our lives who aren't enemies, they're just nice people. And God, would you teach us to press past our own preferences? God, I just, I have a sense in the room that this may even be some people's children. This may be some people's spouses. 
moms and dads, best friends, people that we used to call best friends that we've just drifted apart from. God, I, I even asked this week that you would re redeem and restore relationships that were once meaningful to us, but we've allowed our preferences to get in the way. We've allowed our judgments to get in the way about the way that they should or shouldn't be. God, just teach us to love. And might we experience you in a new way as a result of that. And this morning, if you're here and you have not yet connected to Jesus, maybe, maybe this is a brand new conversation. You're like, man, I, I can't even fathom loving this way. You can only do it if you're connected to Jesus. It's only in a relationship with him. And so I'd love to give you the opportunity to step into that relationship with him this morning. Maybe you're here and you, you've been disconnected for a long time and this is your opportunity. If you're online, same invitation. So if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I wanna connect to Jesus for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just mind looking up at me? No eyes looking around, anything like that. If you're online, you can just click that button that says, today I choose to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. They're not magic words. You can just pray it in your heart or your mind if you want. You can say it out loud if you want. But you can just pray this. It's a prayer of release. Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken. And I know that you came and you died for me. I thank you for your goodness and I choose to follow you. Jesus, I, I thank you that, that when I choose you, you choose me back and you give me new life. And so I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.